everyone, and welcome to our second episode of Fintech for the People, Season 2. I'm Ami Parbu, your host and managing partner of Axion Venture Lab. As always, Fintech for the People is produced by Axion Venture Lab, a leading early-stage investor in inclusive startups that provide affordable, well-designed financial services to underserved populations around the world. This season, we're showcasing six companies in our portfolio, all of which are building new embedded finance solutions. Last week, in our first episode of this season, we spoke with Andy Milne, CEO of Kunda, about how they address the massive liquidity challenges for micro-merchants using mobile money and embedded financial services. Now, I'd like to introduce this week's guest, Mir Hawk. Mir is the founder and CEO of Fairbank, a technology platform that integrates with corporate partners like fast-moving consumer goods companies to provide their end customers, which are mom-and-pop retailers, with a simple, embedded, buy-now-pay-later solution. We're excited to have you with us today, Mir. Well, thank you, Amy. Thank you for having me. Before we dive in, it would be great to learn a bit more about you. Tell us about your journey. Have you always wanted to do something entrepreneurial? Sure, sure. Um, so, you know, I was born in Bangladesh, which is very big on microfinance. And, you know, I came here when I was 17 as a foreign student to U.S. So my journey is, you know, when I came here without much cash <laughs> and I was homeless for a while. I, I drove a taxi in, in New York City and, you know, through hard work and some lucks, I ended up at, uh, at the Wharton Business School, did my MBA and had a series of corporate jobs, including McKinsey, Deutsche Bank, Google, Adobe and so forth. Right. And, you know, while I was doing this corporate job, I realized that I became part of the hard, right? I took the easy, softer, gentler way. And uh, I, you know, I, I worked really hard to get there. But, the, you know, once you get it, you're like, you know, it didn't have the meaning, really. And I always felt that's not, that's not who I am. And uh, finally, I want to go back to Bangladesh and, and do something. And it's better late than never. And that's how the journey started. So what brought you to this idea? Maybe you can tell us more about Fairbank and what you do. Sure. You know, as it often happens, as you work in corporate job and uh, at a certain point you realize, is this something you want to do the rest of your life? And, you know, I figure this is not what gives me meaning. And I wasn't quite sure what I really wanted, wanted to do. And I started reading up you know, about some of the issues that Bangladesh microfinance is having. And I, I thought, you know what, a lot of these issues about, you know, profitability with microfinance, overlapping, overdue loan, all this could be solved through digitization and data science. And so that was the impetus for me to quit, quit my job and move to Bangladesh to do this. And, uh, you know, it started in Bangladesh with Unilever and uh, Bangladesh market wasn't ready for this sort of a product, partly from the banking side. Banks are, are inflexible. So I decided to move to Indonesia and I'm not from Indonesia. I 
barely know any, anyone and uh, I I just thought it'd be a good idea to try try in Indonesia and we did and uh, also with Unilever and it you know ha- happened to work out this time. Maybe we can take a step back and tell us more about your end customers. You know, Fairbank is this tech platform that integrates with corporate partners to provide end customers with a simple embedded solution. So who are those end customers that you're reaching through your partners? What's that problem that you're trying to solve? So most of these small merchants, they don't have enough cash, right? There is a huge credit gap in these emerging economies. And most of their um, credit shortage is in working capital. They don't have enough cash to buy inventory, simply put, right? And uh, we realized, look, uh, there is an opportunity for inventory financing, but in a way where we don't have to do the acquisition of the merchant ourselves. We don't have to do the collection ourselves. And that's where, you know, we had this aha moment. We realized, look, these large FMCGs, they already have the data of this merchant, order and payment history that we can leverage to give credit we can probably leverage their existing collection infrastructure they have, which basically, you know, they have ground salespeople that go and collect, use, leverage some of that for our collection. And, you know, they have a large ecosystem. We can plug into that ecosystem uh, with some API integration. And fortunately, the idea we had, uh, Unilever was very receptive to this idea especially in Indonesia, because they have tried other fintech, which requires an app. So that means Martin have to download the app, somebody has to train them, and the you know, vast majority of the Martin don't have the digital literacy, financial literacy to use an app. So because our credit goes through FMCG system it do- and doesn't require an app, right, in fact, in many cases, we don't even meet the merchant, right? We have their order and payment history. They are automatically onboarded through our selection process and uh, their credit. Maybe you could even describe who this merchant is for our listeners. We're talking about small businesses this season, but there's such a range of what a small business looks like. Can you describe what a typical customer is? So typical customer buys, for example, $50 to $200 worth of product a week, right? And, you know, over 70% of them are women operated in in Indonesia in in particular. Uh, Over 85% don't have any uh, bank accounts, right? Their average monthly take-home income is less than $200, Typically, a household will have five to six uh, members in a household, right? So we are talking about very impoverished, right? Merchant with a large household and giving them access to credit, especially for high-value products that are fast-moving as a high margin, could help them generate, you know, $50 more, $100 more, which is a, a big deal, you know, in terms of, you know, what it can do to their families and uh, livelihood. How are they purchasing that inventory today? Are they accessing other forms of credit? Largely using their own cash, right? And so what ends up happening is if they have, uh, you know, $50, they will use $50 to buy buy the merchandise. 
you know, but in fact, they may have a demand for $100. Uh, so in other way to say, it, if they had $100, they could have bought and sold $100 worth of product, right? So they are buying well below their market demand. Why aren't other financial service providers, you know, adequately service, you know, serving this customer's needs? What's the challenge there? Well, one of the biggest challenge is for banks, right? It, banks in Indonesia don't offer unsecured loans. They only offer secured loans and, you know, vast majority of this margin, they don't have any collateral. The other issue is for banks, uh, they have to have KYC documents, right? You know, tax ID, photo ID, and so forth. And a lot of these merchants don't have proper proper documents. More importantly for banks, it's not worthwhile to underwrite these small loans. So typically microfinance serve these segments and uh, microfinance are very you know, manual, labor intensive. There is a long application process, so it's not as scalable. All right, let's take a quick break. At Axion Venture Lab, we are excited to support inclusive fintech startups around the world. We invested in Fairbank back in 2021, and we invested because we saw that by embedding their product into existing partner channels, Fairbank was able to provide small retailers seamless access to inventory financing. Fairbank's work aligns strongly with Venture Lab's mission, and we're excited to be on this journey with their team. Now, let's get back to our conversation with Mir. So what, what you've described of, of Fairbank is effectively embedded finance. It's not direct acquisition and a direct loan to, to these merchants. It's working through your partners, through the fast-moving consumer goods companies to reach those borrowers. It's a fairly new term, embedded finance, but obviously gaining a lot of attention. For our listeners who aren't familiar with the concept, can you tell us what this means? and what advantage it gives you as a platform and as a company? Yeah, so embedded finance, the one we are doing is a buy now, pay later. So the credit is embedded in the product, right? Product comes uh, with credit. What it means is, especially the way we are doing it with the large ecosystem, it makes it very scalable because large ecosystem has millions of merchants, right? And it also means that the cash is diverted to a productive purpose, right? It generates income, which enables the merchant to pay us back as opposed to giving direct cash loan. So the other aspect of embedded finance is you could really tailor it for high value product. So even, you know, certain product have a very high margin, but they're slow moving. And merchants don't want to buy slow-moving product because they don't get the cash back for weeks. And now you, you could enable them to make very, very high margin from slow-moving product by offering longer-term credit for slower-moving SKUs. And for the merchant, it's also an, an element of your embedded model is the seamlessness of it, the convenience of it. Maybe you could say more there of, you know, um, it doesn't require any additional paperwork or steps. Why is this critical for your model? And how, how did you go about developing this type of a product? Yeah, we recognize that, you know, a lot of the loan application, KYC, 
they don't really mitigate risk at the end of this day, right? Uh, because ultimately uh, what mitigates risk is number one, you know, it has to be sustainable. So in our case, if they buy product, they make profit, they pay back the credit, they can use it again. It's a revolving credit line. So it, that makes it sustainable. Uh, number two is doing all this paperwork. You know, there is so much operation cost involved for you to be economically uh, sustainable. The lender has to charge an extremely high rate. And we see that in some of the microfinance, right? And we realize that if it doesn't mitigate risk, why go through the paperwork and loan application? Rather, uh, we could have something called a stop supply guarantee where if, you know, to prevent fraud, if merchants don't pay just because they get, you know, they don't want to pay intentionally, not because they have some financial hardship, you know, stop supply guarantees oftentimes is a much stronger risk mitigator than just doing paperwork. That basically means that the fast moving consumer goods company would stop delivering inventory um, and working with a merchant? Yes. So the merchant must pay last week credit to place order this week. Yeah. You know, it's it's clear also from your model that partnerships are key, right? You, you, aren't, you aren't going directly to the merchants. You're working through, I know Fairbank is working with a number of partners. Maybe you can speak to some of that. But, but these are key to scale as well as, you know, getting the data you need what has Fairbank done to be so successful in securing these institutional partnerships? How does that work for you all? Sure. One of the reasons all these large brands like Unilever, Nestle, Coca-Cola, Danone, you know, we are working with not just FMCG, but also other verticals, Xiaomi, Samsung, you know, all are B2B, is because the way we select the merchant that it, you know, end up growing the principal sales. Because, you know, if, if you give credit to someone who is buying $500 and after you give them credit, they still buy $500, there is no benefit for the principal in, in terms of sharing sensitive data, doing the collection, right? So sales growth is one of the biggest incentive for the principal to work with us, share their data and do the collection. It's really this win-win of you know, merchant having access to capital to sell more, but the the principal who are these, you know, large companies that you're working with being able to sell more as well. Yes. Yes. So, you know, in fact, what we're doing, we're injecting liquidity into a system, making it healthier, right? Where the before without liquidity, the system wasn't able to meet the consumer demand. Merchant were buying far less what they could sell. And we are capturing that delta through liquidity. And so entire ecosystem is benefiting from it. Got it. Just on this point around partnerships, we see lots of fintech entrepreneurs who are trying to build new B2B partnerships at an early stage. Any advice for them? Yeah, B2B partnership requires patience, right? It also requires understanding how the decision-making happens within these large organizations, which oftentimes are slow. Uh, so the best way to do this is to figure out the right decision-makers who has incentive to go through the pain, piloting, and so forth. 
to do this large scale rollout, right? And typically people we target within the B2B whose KPI is digitization, whose KPIs are sales growth. So it could be sales director, it could be head of their you know, supply chain digitization. So yeah, figuring out the right stakeholder who could be the internal champion for this program is, is key, right? And then during the pilot, you have to prove the value proposition, which is the sales growth, which justifies for them to dedicate a lot of resource because it takes, uh, you know, some of the large FMCGs, you know, it takes cross-functional team to work with Fairbank, right? From their IT to finance, to marketing, go to market, uh, all over. And so, uh, yeah, it definitely have to be worth it for them. And in our case, we have delivered 35% sales growth during our pilot with Unilever, 50% for Coca-Cola, right? And when they see this number, they realize this is something, you know, probably worthwhile. That's true of what we're seeing in general with embedded finance is that, you know, if you're working with large partners, it requires, you know, a pretty cross-sectional team on their end to pull this off. And so being very thoughtful and methodical of who you bring in and who champions there uh, makes, you know, is, is critical. Just shifting gears, we continue to see all kinds of businesses targeting these small mom and pop shops. Uh, as you know, these big B2B marketplaces are coming up around the world. There are all kinds of different solutions and products out there. What's the key differentiator and an unfair advantage of Fairbank? What do you think, especially with Fairbank's embedded approach, you know, uh, is, is what allows it to work best? I would say number one is we don't require a smartphone. Right now, that's probably once you're embedded. By definition, you don't. The other advantage is we don't we don't have to do the collection, right? Because you know, in in lot of developed market, even within the emerging market, there are some countries where e-money is very cheap and popular. That's not the case in in, in Indonesia, right? It's it's kind of expensive per transaction. So merchants aren't, you know, they don't have an incentive to pay a huge fee to use e-money to pay us back digitally. So somebody has to do the collection and we want to be a tech platform, not a collection agency. So that gives us a huge advantage. And it took us a lot of convincing through sales growth to justify, you know, for FMCGs, their principles to say, you know what, we're going to do the collection for you. So that collection piece, as well as just the, you know, meeting people where they are in terms of their digital capabilities are kind of advantages. We know that building a strong team culture is critical for startups and Fairbank has an interesting set of employees. You have senior executives with long-standing careers at fast-moving consumer goods companies and other sectors. At the same time, you have young professionals from the startup scene. How are you finding, building, and kind of balancing that uh, you know, to, to create the right culture at Fairbank? You know, when we started in Indonesia, we realized like we need domain expert and domain experts are typically in FMCG are very senior people, oftentimes who retired, right? So, you know, one of the things that we got lucky with is people are very, the age differences and so forth 
didn't really matter that much. Um, the the employees we had were domain expert. You know, they are in their 50s. And just like you said, we have some startup talents. They are in their 20s. We have a very sort of a um, flexible style <laughs> that accommodates, uh, you know, so some people are not that digitally savvy. Some people are. And we sort of accommodate everyone. We try to be a big camp where everybody fit in. And so I would say, you know, uh, having a culture of tolerance and acceptance and also mission orientation. You know, we take pride in, look, we are doing something great, helping others. And once you take that approach, you become more tolerant among the team members. So I think if you're doing fintech, especially in impact space, having a culture of tolerance and acceptance is a key. As you think about your vision for Fairbank, I mean, obviously the need for financing for small businesses is massive. Embedded finance is taking off as a space. How do you envision the future for Fairbank? Where do you see the company in five years? Sure. Well, so we started with FMCG. Now we are, you know, many different verticals, including electronics, construction material, smartphone. We are financing all this B2B, buy now, pay later in different verticals. So in five years, our goal is to be the buy now, pay later platform for SMEs across verticals in Southeast Asia. Super. Thank you so much, Mir, for this conversation today. Learned a lot about Fairbank and what you're building for small businesses through an embedded platform. So thanks again for your time. Thank you, Amy. Thank you for having me. Really enjoyed the discussion. Join us next week as we head to India to speak with Mukul Garg, founder and CEO of Agrim, a digital platform for the $50 billion agri-input industry in India. Agrim provides small agri-retailers across the country with a one-stop shop in finding, distributing, and financing agri-inputs. If we want to serve to the farmer, right, that will be a huge challenge because they rely on the offline network with the retailers today, right? And it's not just the e-commerce what they are doing there. Right? It's more of a complete consultation which also happens at that note, right? So we said, can we build a platform where we bring manufacturers on one side and retailers on the other side, right? And from there, we take care of the entire logistics, fulfillment, and the payments part of that. For a manufacturer who is sitting in the north, north part of India, right, can reach to the retailer in the southern part of the country, right, without even doing or building the marketing team.